1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at one verse at the moment. It's also on the screen. Here is the word of the Lord. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. That's so short. I can read that again. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Somebody say amen. We're going to talk for just a moment from the topic, you've got what it takes. That's, that's a good word. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you've got what it takes. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Look at that, y'all. My little Mona made my, my slide. Look at Mona. Ain't she bad, y'all? You've got what it takes. Go on, Mona. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, we love you. We thank you. We glorify you for this moment in time. Thank you, Father, for meeting us here. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the excitement. Father, we thank you for the worship on today as you reminded us to, to give you the highest praise. Thank you for all of the team that, that gathered here early this morning to ensure that our worship would go forward. So we thank you for our trustees. We thank you for our AV, our musicians, the camera people, the ushers, the hospitality. Thank you for the coffee crew. And Father, we pray that all of these will combine for us to share in a wonderful, worshipful moment. Now, Father, free us from distractions. Lord, so many things are vying for our attention. And I pray that you would clear our minds, control our emotions, govern our will, permit us to be focused in upon your word at this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let everyone say amen. Praise God. Thank you so much, cowboy ushers. Thank y'all so much, cowboy ushers. Those cowboy ushers in the house. Amen. Here's our big idea for today's message. Believers have been gifted to make a difference. Believers have been gifted to make a difference. Y'all, as we endeavor to live the life we were created for, y'all, we must fully understand that each of us already has what it takes. Y'all, that is the, the essence of this series. I don't necessarily want to teach you something you don't know. I want to affirm what you already know. See, we have what it takes to make an impact. We have what it takes to make a difference. We have what it takes to participate in God's ever-expanding kingdom on earth. We already have it. At the moment you received Jesus as your Savior, at that very moment, you were infused, you were endowed, you were deposited a certain amount of gifts. And those gifts are yours to be used to make a difference for his kingdom. I need for you to know it's in there. I need for you to be confident that I don't need anything external. The Lord has given me everything I need on the inside, and he has given these gifts to me so that I may use them. This famous violinist, he willed his crafted and 
and most prized possession, this, this world-renowned violinist, he, he, he willed it to the city of Geneva, his favorite violin. But he had one demand, and he demanded that it never be touched or played again. This violin was worth hundreds and thousands of dollars, and, and it was his will that it never be played again. It was a gift designated for preservation, but not for service. Mm. On the other hand, beloved, when, when the resurrected Christ wield his spiritual gifts to the children of God, that's us. He commanded that they, in fact, be used. See, these are gifts not designated for preservation, but for implementation. I need a witness up in here. Child of God, you have been gifted to make a difference. The Lord Jesus has deposited gifts on the inside of you so that you would use them for his glory. You have been willed gifts of God's spirit so that you will use them for the good of his church and for his glory. You've got it. You may as well use it. As a matter of fact, look at your neighbor and say, you've got it. Now use it. That sounded real good up here. Peter, Peter, our writer, our writer for today. Peter is, is end time focused. Peter is focused on the end times. He opens today's trend of thought in verse 7 by saying the end of all things is near. See, the believers believed that Christ's return would occur during their lifetime. There was a sense of urgency, a sense of, of imminence, and, and I submit that the modern church has been lulled into complacency because of time. Let me help you understand this. See, we overlook the fact that what the apostle Paul said to us in Romans chapter 13, he says, besides this, since you know the time, says Paul, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I need y'all to hear me and hear me clearly. We have abused the gift of tomorrow because we've experienced so many. Oh, y'all receive that we have abused the gift of tomorrow because we've had so many. Beloved, don't let yesterday fool you. Don't let the fact that you woke up today put you in this haze. Tomorrow is not promised, so whatever you're going to do, you best do today. Peter, Peter is intimating that Christ's return could be fulfilled any day now. How does that make you feel? That any day... The Lord Jesus could come, as he says in 1 Thessalonians, and he could part the sky. And the dead in Christ shall rise. And those of us who are yet alive will be oh, caught up. Say, so how does that make you feel? Does that make you uncomfortable? Does that make you uneasy? Well, I'm here to let you know it's real. I'm here to let you know that, that imminent, the imminent return of Christ is upon us. And so the knowledge, the confidence, the truth, of Jesus' return should spark us to both prayer and love. I'm still in the text. This is the end of all things is near verse 7. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. 
Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, God, y'all, there is, there is no discipline or practice more significant than prayer. Prayer. Yeah, how you going to know if you don't pray? How you going to grow if you don't pray? Scripture teaches us to pray constantly. Jesus modeled throughout his ministry the necessity of prayer. And here's what we've done. We've reduced prayer to times of desperation. We've reduced prayer to times of need. Peter says, keep your mind clear, keep your mind focused for the purpose of prayer. Do you see that in your text? Prayer. So the concept of prayer, the concept of prayer is related to a sheepdog. Thank you, Tony Evans. Sheepdog, sheepdog. Sheepdog who's, who helps the shepherd or the farmer to round up the sheep. The sheepdog is always trained to come to his master's feet. Talking about a sheepdog, sheepdog. He's, he, he's trained to whatever his task, and whenever his task is finished, to come back to the master's feet. They, they round up the sheep, they keep them in the fold, they box them in, and then they run and corner them to get back to the fold. Then the dogs come right back to the master's Feet. That's what sheep dogs do. A sheep dog will always pray. That, that is, he will always find himself at the master's feet, ready for the next instruction. Beloved, that's prayer. Prayer is that abiding relationship where believers stay at the master's feet. That's why the songwriter says, What a friend. We have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Pray. Peter, Peter is declaring here, get ready to write. He says, the end is near. Be prayerful. That's simple, y'all. That's, that's simple. So you, you have to get in your mind, watch this, that the Lord really could return at any moment. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to figure out when he's coming. That's eschatology. That's, that's too big for any of us. Don't nobody know. But my challenge for you is to be sober-minded, to be focused so that you can pray. Peter said the end is, the end is near. Be prayerful. Then he also declares the end is near. Be loving. Oh, God. Y'all, we fall not with each other in record numbers. I think something happened with COVID. I don't know what it is. Folks just started falling out left and right. Uh, here, here's an unscientific experiment. Don't, don't look at your neighbor. Look at me. If you've fallen out with somebody since COVID, raise your hand. Just come on. Be honest. Keep it real. Look at that. Look at that. Y'all lying. Y'all, I'm sorry. Y'all lying. Y'all know y'all have. It's more than that. Hands down. It's more. It's more. Uh, if you know somebody that's fallen out with somebody, raise your hand then. Come on. Ooh, y'all just... Y'all, we're falling out with folk. Our patience is just gone. 
And so what, what the author is helping us to see is this, y'all. The end is near. We got to be loving. Look at verse 8. He says, above all, maintain constant love for one another. Here it is. Since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, understand this. Ain't no absolution from me to you. My covering your sin, that ain't got nothing to do with God. That's between me and you. Don't, don't, get, don't get it twisted. I ain't got no power to forgive you. Not, that ain't got nothing to do with that. This just speaks of me and you keeping our brotherly love at full strength. This, this speaks of a willingness, Stephen Brown, to forgive. This, this speaks of, of my love covering your sins so that I don't hold your sins against you. That's what this is relationally, giving people grace to make it. Y'all know y'all hear me, and I know that this is difficult, but this is extremely necessary considering the time. Y'all, we have just gotten so impatient with folk. If someone steps out of our uh, thought or our desire, we cutting them off. Don't call me, don't text me. And we've infused all of this social media philosophy. When people show you who they are, believe them. That ain't scripture. But pastor, ain't that what Jesus meant? No, Jesus said nothing like that. Jesus said, don't just forgive them once or twice. He said 70 times seven. Jesus said, if they slap you on the right, turn to the left. Jesus said, if they're hungry, even though they've done you wrong, give them the clothes off your back. Give them some food. See, where do we get this other stuff from? How has that infused? And Peter affirms it by saying, your love can actually cover their sin. You can love them in such a way that you pull them out. See, people who do folk wrong, they're used to people turning their backs on them. But they're not accustomed to doing somebody wrong and having that person say, brother, you did me wrong and I love you. And, and I'm going to forgive you. And I, I'm listening, the Lord is preaching to me now. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to give you some grace for that. You know why? Because I've been there. See, when we forget the, the, the stuff that we've done, help me somebody, that's when we are less apt to forgive. And so that's what happened to a lot of us that didn't raise our hand a few minutes ago. You know, we forget. The dirt we've dug. The wrong that we've done. Help me, somebody. He says, the end is near. Be prayerful. The end is near. Be loving. And these are the foundational principles as we move into verse 10. It, it lends itself to fulfilling the command for today's passage. It says, just as each one of us, verse 10, has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Before I get into it, I got to back up again, y'all. This, mm, this is what's keeping many of us from using our gift. We're not prayerful, and we're not loving. I'm sorry. When you get that right, when you surrender and submit to that in your life, 
then you are more apt to embrace verse 10. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Believer, child of God, here's what you can't say ever. Here it is. You can't say this. I have nothing to offer. You can't say that. And say, I'm I'm here to boost your self-esteem as well as your spiritual esteem. I'm here for you to to, to have some confidence in who God has made you to be, daughter of God, son of God. Stop believing what maybe your family has said about you. Stop believing what those so-called friends have said about you. You are a child of God. You have been uniquely and wonderfully made. You have been deposited gifts on the inside. I'm just telling you to use them. So don't say, I have nothing to offer. That's from the devil. And the devil wants to keep us intimidated, feeling unworthy. I have nothing to offer. Don't don't say that. See, that would make God and his word untrue. As we learned on this past Sunday and Wednesday, we have been deposited gifts by grace through the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a beautiful statement. We have been deposited gifts by grace through the Holy Spirit. And what Peter is affirming is this. Get ready to write. Each believer has at least one. You got one. You got one, y'all. I don't know what your one is, but you got one. You may think, Pastor Brown, I know folks that got three gifts and two gifts and four gifts, and, and, and all I got is, is, is one. You got one. Praise God for one. It's going to take a lifetime for you to figure out how to use that one. One. Isn't that a good thing, though, y'all? Sure, there's a long list of them, but at least... So what I want you to do is if you're still confused, you're still cloudy about about your gifts, keep reviewing the gifts. We gave an exhaustive list that was included in this past week's email blast. Go through that list. Go through those slides and figure that thing out with the Lord's help. Now, today's passage is not about discovery. It is about implementation. It's not about finding out what your gifts are. It's about you using your gift. Here is our first movement. We only have two today. Here is the one. It's real simple. I hope you get this. Here it is. Use what you got. Uh, that, that's, that's a word. That's simple. I can't make it no simple. Uh, use what you got. Use what you got. It's yarn. Ooh. That's that fifth word. Golly. Peter says, each one has received at least one. Yeah, I'm so glad because Peter's the only one who says that. Paul lists a whole bunch of them, but Peter comes alongside to to, to complement this this concept of gifts and say, you got at least one. And this one, it's been given, it's been gifted, here it is, not to be preserved, but to be served. 
Don't be like the violinist who said, listen, just put my gift on display. Can't nobody use it. Can't nobody touch it. It's just to be enjoyed visually. So each one of us has received. As I was reading this passage, I had to ask a question of the text. Peter, why the reminder? What's, what's the point of you telling us and them this? Y'all, could it be that perhaps believers confused movement with progress? Could it be that believers confused movement with obedience? Could it be that because they were busy, they felt like they were on purpose? Just because they were doing something, they felt like somehow, some way, that they were in alignment with God's will. Listen, beloved, your gift or gifts must be employed to serve the local church. That's why the gift was given. It must be employed here. That is the reason that you have been given the gift. Nothing was more diabolical than college credit cards. Somebody needs some more coffee when I said that. And then you're like, can you put some Baileys in that, please? <laughs> Start talking about college credit cards. Make a hot toddy, because I'm... Y'all, mine was Discover. Marquise, they caught me coming out of cafeteria. And, you know, the young lady smiled at me so big. I just, I had to... Oblige. I filled that thing out. And I remember when it came in the little box. Y'all, I already know. I, I turned into, I don't know what that was. Y'all, it was a combination, George Jefferson. Uh, it was, I, I, I moved on up, y'all. Y'all know I was, all, I was already cool, but I was that broke cool. With the credit card, I was, I was cool, cool. Y'all had never seen a limit like that. Only card I had was a Palais Royal card. Y'all know what Palais Royal is, do you? It's a store in Houston, y'all. I had a $100 limit. That was my first, I got like 16 years old. It was really under my dad's name, but he let me, yeah. I lost my mind, y'all. I was picking up tabs. Y'all should have seen me die. Oh, I got it, bro, I got it. I was buying unneeded clothing. You name it, I swiped it. Then the bill came to Houston. My mama reminded me, I can't tell you what she called me, but my mama, she said, boy, that's the contemporary version, that card is for emergency use only. You're not using it, Stephen Brown, for its intended purpose. 
and you're going to get in a world of trouble. Use it for the purpose it was intended, or I'm going to take it back. Reverend, she's four foot nine, but I was scared. Y'all, you have received your gift. And it is your responsibility to use it for its intended purpose. It is your responsibility to employ your gift for kingdom glory. Don't waste your gift. Don't allow your gift to be uh, crowded out by other stuff. Peter says, use your gift. He says, use what you've got. For the benefit of the church, to serve, to minister, to add value to others, to make a difference in other people's lives. See, I discovered that you've been gifted to give. Man, I hope y'all are tracking with me this morning. I hope it's making sense. And so there was a sense of urgency that we see in this. But the text is moving. He says, as we seek to live the life we were created for, we got to use our gifts for the purpose with which they have been given. Peter's words are in alignment with Jesus's words. Jesus says, I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So as you drive home today, I want you to ask yourself the question, why have I come? As you're driving home, I want you to just ask yourself, don't say it out loud, Lord, why have I come? If Jesus says he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a Lord, why have I come? What is, what is it that you want me to do, Lord? Am I doing what you want me to do? And Lord, if I'm not doing it, show me why I have come. I'm done, I'm done, but, but watch this. Use what you've got, cause what you've got is his. I'm, I'm done, that's your last one, that's the last one, I'm gonna let you go. Use what you got, cause what you've got is his. I, I'm not making it up, it says right there in the text, it says, as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Somebody say stewards. Come on, I know you're writing, but somebody say stewards. A steward was one who served as a house manager. He had no wealth of his own, but distributed his master's wealth according to his master's will and discretion or direction. Peter calls us stewards. Our gifts are ours to use, not to own. They're the Lord's gifts that he has simply imparted to his people, to us. Again, there is, there, is, there is a heightened understanding of our urgency to use them now. We're stewards, fam. Stewards. So let's connect these statements, and then we'll wrap this up. Let's connect these statements. Verse 7, he says, the end of all things is near, good steward. That's what he's saying. The end of all things is near, good steward. 
The end of all things is near. Good. We're the good stewards. He's pointing to us, letting us know the end is near, so do something. So how can we be good stewards? I'm glad you asked. By using our gifts to serve one another. By using this time to be disciplined and diligent. By, by not putting off what we're called to do now. So we have these Things of, of urgency, of obedience, of responsibility, of kingdom focus, of prayer, of love, of sacrifice. All of these encompass this small section of Scripture. And the bottom line is this. You've got what it takes. Yeah, I really want you to walk out today with your head high, not in pride, not in arrogance with the confidence of knowing I got what it takes. God loved me so much that he gifted me, he called me, he equipped me, he anointed me for such a time as this. I've got what it takes. You stop allowing the enemy to trick you into thinking that you're useless. You are useful because you are God's child. You've got what it takes. I'm finished, but look at your neighbor, look him in the eye, and say, you've got what it takes. Praise God. Give God a hand of praise right there. Come on, come on, come on.